I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey listeners, it's Laura Mullen and Chris Tolley from Play Me, and we want to share an exciting preview from another podcast that we think you'll enjoy. Play On podcasts are audio adventures that reimagine Shakespeare's timeless tales, featuring original music composition and the voices of extraordinarily gifted artists. Now we have a preview of a retelling of Shakespeare's cruelest tragedy, Othello, translated by Mfidiso Undofia. Here's episode one. Have a listen. Next Chapter Podcasts presents the Play On podcast series, Othello. Episode 1, Marks Set Against Me. For the best listening experience, be sure to use headphones or earbuds. And remember, beware of jealousy. again. Here you go. <laughs> this is what you do to me. Excitement? You also bring a lot of money out of my pocket. Well, what do you want in sitting there? It's just going to weigh down your pants. Better out of your pocket than in your socks. Bull! Do not say that! I take it much unkindly that you, Iago, who has spent the money from my pocket as if the coins within were yours, should have known of this. Bloody Christ, Rodrigo, you're not listening. If I had ever even dreamt of such a matter... Then hate me. You told me that you held that man in hate. Despise me if I do not. Three renowned city nobles personally striving to make me his lieutenant took their caps off to Othello. And by the faith of man, I know my worth. I am worth no less than that job. But Othello? Loving his own pride and prowess turns down my advocates. For certain, says he. I have already chosen my officer. And who was it? Ah, behold! A great mathematician. One Michael Cassio. Nor the core core of battle does he know more than a virgin. Mere prattle without practice is the extent of his soldiership. But he, he, was the one chose. And I of whom Othello's eyes had seen the proof at Rhodes, at Cyprus, and on other war grounds, Christian and heathen, it is I that must be stopped and docked by an adder and subtractor, this bipedal calculator, who in time becomes his new lieutenant, while I, God bless, remain that black beast's colonel. By heaven, I rather would have been his lyncher. Huh. There is no fixing it. It is the curse of service. 
Now, sir, judge for yourself whether I have any reasonable reason to love that ape. I would not follow him then. Ah, sir, settle down. I follow him to serve my turn upon him. We can't all be masters, and not all masters should be sincerely served. You should see the many obedient, back-broke, knee-bent slaves that, loving their own low, groveling bondage, wear out their lives, much like their masters' mules for nothing but food. And then, when they're old, sold off. Whip me such honest slaves. There are others who, cloaked in hat, fabric, and shoe of duty, keep their hearts solely master to themselves, merely staging their deference to their lords, become rich through it, and once they've lined their coats, they do themselves homage. These fellows have soul, and that sort of man I am myself. For, sir, it is as sure as you are, Rodrigo, were I that beast... I would not be Iago. In following him, I follow only myself. Heaven will judge me. I have no love nor duty, it just appears so, for my peculiar end. For if my outward actions were to expose the honest truth and feelings of my heart united as one... It is not long after that I would wear my own heart upon my sleeve for the crows to peck at. I am not what I am. Thick lips owes luck a remarkable debt, if he can pull it off. Call up her father. Rouse him. Make after Othello poison his delight. Revile Othello in the streets, fire up her kinsmen, and though he in a lush, wet climate resides, we plague him with flies. Here's her father's house. I will call out. Do, with your most quaking voice, desperate yell, just like in loneliest night a fire is spied in populous cities. Hello! Brabantio! Signor Brabantio! Wake up! Arise, Brabantio! Thieves! Thieves! Check on your house, your daughter, and your safe. Thieves! Thieves! What is the reason for this terrible shouting? What is the matter here? Signor, is all your family inside? Are your doors locked? By God, sir, you're robbed. For shame, get yourself dressed. Your heart will burst. You have lost half your soul. Even now... Now, right, right now, an old black ram is top, top, stopping your pure white you. Arise, wake up the snoring citizens with alarms. If not, dark devils will a grandfather make you. Arise, I say. What? Have you lost your mind? Most esteemed, senor, do you know my voice? What? No. Who are you? My name is Rodrigo. Oh, the most unwelcome. I have told you not to haunt about my house. In honest plainness, you have heard me say, my daughter is not for you. And now, in frenzy, being full with food and fouler, full of drink, with drunken bravery, see now how you've come to 
spoil my slumber. Sir, sir, sir. You must truly make sure my person and position have the power to make life bitter for you. Patience, good sir. Why tell me of a robbing? This is Venice. My house is not a farm. Most wise, Brabantio. In simple and pure soul, I come to you. For God's sakes, because you think us thugs, you're going to squander time and have your daughter spread by an African stallion. Your nephews will neigh to you. You'll have mules for cousins and mongrels as clan. Your house might yet become a farm. Indeed. What sort of vulgar wretch are you? I am one, sir, that comes to tell you your daughter and that brute are now making the beast with two backs. You are a devil. Shall I tell them to leave? You are a senator. Is everything okay? Uh, For this, you will pay. I know you, Rodrigo. Sir, I will answer for it all. But I do beg you, if my begging be your pleasure, as partly I find it is, that your fair daughter was whisked off to the gross clutches of a lascivious black. If this was known to you and was allowed, then we have done you a bold and grievous wrong. But if you knew not of this, then my manners say we have wrongly been rebuked. Quick, rid yourself of doubt. If she be in her room or in your house, let loose on me the letter of the law for duping you this way. Set fire to kindling. Senor, can I help you? Give me a candle. Call up all my people. Can I get the dogs, Senor Brabancio? Scene is not unlike my worst nightmares. Belief of it oppresses me already. How can I be of service, Please sir? come out, Senor. Goodbye. I must leave you now. Wait, what? It is not best, nor good in my position, to be aligned as if I stay I shall against the Nygmanog. No, no, wait. To which I say, though I hate him as I do hate hell pains... For necessity of this present life, I must put on a show and face of love, which is merely but sign. Lead the search for him to the Sagittary Inn, and there I will be with him. So, goodbye. Bye. Sir, are you okay? It is too true and evil. She is gone. And what's becoming of my dwindling life is nothing but bitterness. Now, Rodrigo, where did you see her? Oh, that bleeding wretch. With the black, you said? Who'd choose to be a father? How did you know it was her? Oh, she deceives me with the ease of thought. What did she say to you? Get more candles. Wake up all my people. Are they married, you think? Truly, I think they are. Oh, heaven. How did she get out? Oh, treason of the blood. Fathers. From now, don't trust your daughter's minds. Trust how you see them act. Isn't there magic by which the properties of youth and innocence may be tainted? Haven't you read, Rodrigo, of some such thing? Yes, sir, I have indeed. Wake up, my brother! Oh, I wish you had had her, Rodrigo. Uh, Some run one way, some another. Do you know where we may apprehend her and that brute? I do think I can find him, if you please get your best guards and come along with me. Rally the special officers of the night. On, Rodrigo. I will reward your pains. Thank you. Though in the trade of war I have slain men, my conscience still remains incapable of committing contrived murder. 
I do seem to lack the cruelty needed for my trade. Nine or ten times, I'd thought to stab Rodrigo here, under the ribs. All is best as it now is. No! But he gossiped and spoke such scurvy and provoking words against your honor that it took all godliness I had not to do damage to him. But pray tell, sir, you're truly married. Be assured of this, that the Magnifico is much beloved and has in his power a voice as strong as double as the Duke's. He could annul this. Let him do his worst. My services, the services which I have freely given to this state, will out-tongue Brabantio's complaints. Not all about me is known, and when boasting is an honor, I shall brag. Then, only then, will I let this circulate. But for now, I'll let you know I fetch my life, my being, my blood, from men of royalty. And any and all marks set against me, those marks baldly speak of my fortune. For know this, Iago, I adore Desdemona. I would not place my free, independent standing into one of limited, confining, circumscription marriage? No, not unless I really did, as I do, really do love her. Look, look, whose lights come near? Those are your beloved's father. And his friends, you best go in now. No, no, I must be found. My blood, my title, and my perfect soul will reveal who I am clearly. Is that them? Othello! My own lieutenant, Cassio, and the servants of the Duke. Friends, may the goodness of the night be upon you. What is the news? The Duke sends greetings, General, and he requires her haste, post-haste appearance, right this very instant. What's the matter, do you think? Something from Cyprus, were I to predict, and it's a business of some heat you've been called for. When found not resting at your small lodging, the Senate sent about three squads to suss you out. It's well I am found by you. I will give a few words to some in the house, and then I'll go with you. Soldier, why is he here? Faith, tonight he has boarded a treasure ship. If it prove legal, then he's made forever. I do not understand. <laughs> Othello is married. To who? Married to... More light! Come, Captain. Shall we go? Yes, with you. Here comes another squad searching for you. It is Brabantio, General. Be advised, he comes in bad intent. Whoa! Stop there! Signor, it is the beast. Down with him, thief! You, Rodrigo, come, sir. I am for you. Sheathe your bright swords, or else the dew will rust them. Good, senor, you command more with your years than with your weapons. Oh, you foul thief! Where have you stowed my daughter? A devil you are! You have entranced her! For I'll refer myself to logic and sense. If she weren't bound by chains of dark magic, made so tender, so fair, and so happy, so opposed to marriage that she shunned the wealthy white darlings of our nation, would she then invite the general mock running from countrymen to the blackest bosom of such a thing as you? You're a spook, not a delight! 
judge me and the world if it is not gross in the sense that you have practiced on her your foul charms, poisoned her delicate youth with drugs or minerals that weaken sense. Kidnapper! I'll dispute this. Take hold of him, and if he resists, subdue him at his own peril. Hold your hands, both you who believe in me and the rest. Were it my cue to fight, I would have known it without your prompting. Where do you want me go to answer this, your charge? To prison. Till time comes for the law and the courts to be in session, so you can answer. What if I obey you? How will the Duke be properly satisfied? His messengers are here, right now, about my side, with some present business of the state to bring me to him. It's true, most worthy senor. The Duke's in session, and you, your noble self, I'm sure are called for too. Oh, the Duke in session? At this time of the night? Well, bring him too. My issue's not unfounded. The Duke himself, or any of my brothers of the state, cannot but feel this wrong as if it were their own. If such actions as his have free passage, then bond slaves and heathens shall our statesmen soon be. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I'm, I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. You understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no certainty in this news that makes this true. Indeed. This is quite conflicted. My letters say 107 warships. And mine, 140. <laughs> and mine, 200. They all do still confirm a Turkish fleet is heading towards Cyprus. Hmm. Hello? 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 A messenger from the warship. Now, what's the business? The Turks are now preparing to storm Rhodes. I was told to report that here to the state by Signor Angelo. Come on, let's get you some water. What do you think of this change? This cannot be. By no testing of reason. It's a pageant to keep us falsely engaged. Mm. We must think on this and must not think the Turk so unskillful to leave for later what concerns him first. Neglecting an attack of ease and gain to fight and wage a profitless battle. No. Most assuredly, Turks aren't to Rhodes. Here is more news. The Turks, most reverend and gracious duke, steering directly towards the Isle of Rhodes, have joined themselves to another of their fleet. Yes, so I thought. How many do you guess? 
30 ships, and now they do spin around and backtrack course, heading with clear trajectory their ambitions towards Cyprus. It's certain, then. It's Cyprus. A letter for you, sir. Valiant Othello, we must employ you now against the general enemy, the vile Turk. Out of my way! Welcome, Brabantio. I did not see you. We missed your counsel and your help tonight. So did I yours. Please, your grace, forgive me. Neither my rank nor anything heard of war raised me from my bed, nor did needs of the state take hold of me. For my particular grief is of such floodgate and torrential nature that it engulfs and swallows smaller sorrows, overwhelming all else. Wow. Why, what is the matter? My daughter! Oh, my daughter! Dead? Dead! To me! She's been misused, stolen from me! and corrupted by spells of potions bought from savages. For nature to make so huge a mistake, being not deficient, blind, or lacking sense, without witchcrafts is impossible. Whoever he is, that in this foul circumstance had tricked your daughter away from herself, and you from her, the bloody book of the law, you yourself shall be the judge of it all, even if it were my own son who stood guilty before me. Humbly, I thank you, your grace. There's the culprit. That beast. What, in your own words, do you say to this? He says nothing, but it is so. Most wise, powerful, most reverend, signors, my noble and my approved, my... My good masters, that I have taken away this old man's daughter is most true. True, it is wholly accurate. I have married her. But my offense is no more than this. Of course I am in my speech, and little blessed with the soft tones and phrases of peace. For since these arms of mine had lived on this earth seven years, till now some... Nine months ago, these arms of mine have been used, worn. My arms' most delineated actions have solely been that of war, and little of this great world can I speak except that pertains to feats of broils and battle, and so little can I give a defense smooth enough to issue grace from you for myself. Yet due to your, dare I say, gracious patience, I will attempt to tell a round and clear and wholly accurate tale of my uncharted course in love. What, that being the drug, the charm, the conjure, that mighty, mighty magic for which I am being accused, that won over his daughter. A girl without courage. Of soul so still, so soft that her own desires blushed at themselves? And she, despite her nature, her youth, her country, honor, everything, to fall in love with what she'd feared look on? That's a flawed and most imperfect judgment that would accept perfection so could stray against all rules of nature. We must be driven to discern these tricks born from cunning hell. How could this be? 
I therefore say again that through powerful magic given through blood or through the vein brought about this effect. He brought this on her. Professions are not truth. We need wider proof and real evidence than these thin biases and poorly founded likelihoods. Current belief already holds against him. But Othello, speak. Did you by unlawful and forced magic subdue and poison this young maiden's essence? Or came this by request, and fair consenting as soulmates would each other? I implore you, send for the lady. Have her come forth from the Sagittary Inn, and let her speak of me before her father. If you find me sullied in her report, the trust and the office I hold, not only take away, but let the sentence of your law fall on my very life. Bring Desdemona here, now! Yago, lead them. You best know where she resides. Yes, sir. Until she comes, as honest as the heavens, I'll confess the corruptions of my blood so frankly to your wise ears. I will present how I flourished in my fair lady's love, and she in mine. Say it, Othello. Her father loved me once, often inviting me and questioning me on the story of my life, year after year, inquiring on the battles, sieges, and fortunes that I had passed. I ran through my history with him from my boyish days to the stories that occurred the very moment before he bade me tell him stories. I spoke of most disastrous events of tempestuous accidents on both sea and land, of narrow escapes, and of that deadly life moment that saw me snatched by an insolent foe and sold into bondage. I told of my redemption from slavery's chain. I told of my traveler's history how I wandered inside the vast caves of this earth and across her empty deserts, beyond quarries, rocks, and over hills, hills whose heads brushed and kissed heaven. In whispered voice, as such was my manner of speaking, I recounted stories of the cannibals, those fearsome men who ate each other's flesh, and who grew heads beneath their shoulders. These things, these things would cause both him and his daughter to lean in. But of course the house affairs would draw Desdemona away. However, when she could with haste steal back, she would come to me again, alone, and with greedy ear to devour my history, which I, in my most relaxed moments, allowed, for I... And when she, and she would find the means to draw forth from her lips a prayer from the depths of her heart for me, I would expound on my pilgrimages, the pilgrimages that she had heard parts and parcels of. I would complete, I would complete my histories for her. And I allowed for I... Stories of my yesterdays often coaxed tears from her eyes. When I spoke of some distressful stroke born in my youth, she would... She gifted me a world of sighs for my yesterday's pain. She swore in faith that it 
My life was strange, so wonderfully strange, and it, my life, was wretched. And then she claimed, she claimed me. Ah, oh, she claimed. Oh, she exclaimed, what a wondrous, wretched life I had lived. She wished she had never heard it, yet she also wished that heaven had made her such a man with such a history. And she thanked me. Then she offered to me, saying if I had a friend that loved her, I should teach him how to tell my stories so that it would woo her. And I allowed, for I... Upon understanding her hints, I spoke. I spoke to her of myself. I spoke on my history and as a man. And she loved me. She loved me for the dangers I had passed. And I loved her that she did weep for me. This is the only witchcraft I have used. Here comes the lady. Let her attest to it. I think this tale would win my daughter, too. Good Brabantio, accept this mangled matter as you can. I beg you, hear her speak. If she confesses she was both wooed and wooer, destruction on my head if my bad blame struck on that man. Come here, now, gentle mistress. Do you know, and in front of this noble company, to whom you owe obedience? My noble father, I do know now a divided duty. To you, I am bound by blood and education. My life and all my learning have both taught me that I respect you. You're the lord of my duty. I'm as far as this, your daughter. There stands my husband. And so much respect as my mother showed to you, my mother placing you before her own father. So much respect, I suspect she felt, that I must, in mother's vein and tongue, now similarly profess that all my respect is due to my Othello. For he, he is my husband and my lord. God be with you. I am done. Thank you, your grace. Go back to state affairs. I'd rather adopt a child than have another. Come closer, beast. I do here gift you that with all my heart, that which you already own, but with all my heart, that which I'd have kept from you. My jewel. I am so soul happy I have no other child, for your escape has taught me tyranny to hang bells on girls. I am done, my lord. Let me speak like you have and say a proverb, which might take step astride to win these lovers into your favor. When remedies are given, the grieving ends. By seeing the worst on grief, one soon depends. To mourn a mischief that is past and gone is a quick way to draw new mischief on. The robbed that smiles steals something from the thief, he robs himself that spends a useless grief. So, 
let the Turk of Cyprus steal from us, we lose no thing as long as we still smile. One bears that proverb well when nothing's lost. I humbly beg of you, proceed to the affairs of state. The Turk, in a vigorous haste, turns their fleet towards Cyprus. Othello, Cyprus's defenses are best known by you. And although we already have there a truly sufficient officer, opinion favors your going. You must be content to tarnish the shine of your marital fortune with this more stubborn and boisterous expedition. Most humbly, I ask you to arrange for my wife accommodations befitting her breeding. Why, at her father's? I will not have it, sir. Nor I. Nor would I reside there. My presence would only swirl my father farther within his own impatient thoughts. Most gracious duke, lend me your prosperous ear and let me find charity in your voice. Please assist my simpleness. What do you want, my lady? To live with him. The moment I came to love the foreign general became the moment I housed myself within more. The violence and storming I incited on myself and my fortune trumpets my desire to the world. My heart has surrendered to every single quality and nature of my husband. I see my Othello's face through knowing his mind, and to this his soldier's face, to these his honors, and to all his heroic parts, part and parcel. Do I, did I consecrate my soul and my fortune, so that, dear lords, if I be left behind as a moth of peace, and he go as scorpion of war? Some of the acts for which I find I love him, heroic and hawkish, are then deprived me, and I, as an elephantine waiting, must endure without him. No, let that not be so. Let me go with him. Let me go. Let her have your verdict, Duke. podcast series Othello was written by William Shakespeare and translated into modern English verse by Mfaniso Udafia. Radio play by Catherine Eaton. Directed by Victor Milana Maog. The cast is as follows. Jeremy Tardy as Othello. Barrett O'Brien as Iago. Kaylee Carter as Desdemona. Paul Jun as Rodrigo. Francesca Fernandez as Amelia, Tommy Schreider as Cassio, Lakeisha May as Bianca, Christopher Gurr as Brabantio and Lodovico, Rachel Crowell as Montano, Natalie Hegg as Duke, Clown, and Graciano. Casting by the Telsey office, Karen Castle, CSA. Voice and text coach, Julie Foe. Cultural consultant and dramaturg, Martine Key Green Rogers. Original music, mix, and sound design by Lindsay Jones. Sound engineering by Sadaharu Yagi. Mix engineer and dialogue editor, Larry Walsh. Podcast mastering by Greg Cortez at New Monkey Studio. 
coordinating producer, Transcend Streaming, Kira Bowie and Liana Keys. Executive producer, Michael Goodfriend. The managing director of business operations and partnerships at Next Chapter Podcasts is Sally Cade Holmes. And with very special thanks to Michael Christopher Turner and the Performing Arts Department of Northwestern University. The Play On Podcast series Othello is produced by Next Chapter Podcasts and is made possible by the generous support of the Hits Foundation. Visit ncpodcast.com for more about the Play On Podcast series. Visit playonshakespeare.org for more about Play On Shakespeare. Subscribe to Play On Premium on Apollo Plus for ad-free episodes and join our Patreon for exclusive merchandise and early commercial-free releases. Go to playonpodcast.com for our bonus content, where you'll find interviews with the artists, producers, and engineers who brought it all to life. And remember, beware of jealousy. You just heard the first episode of Othello by Play On Podcasts. All episodes are available on the Play On Podcast feed, along with other fantastic audio retellings of Shakespeare, just like this one. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.